kid. Gary, are you ready? I am ready. Let's play ball. So in the recent ABCA magazine Inside Pitch, you wrote about the popular injury phrase, rice, and why icing does more harm than good. Can you explain to us what rice came about and why it may not be the best advice for athletes to follow? Sure, that's not a problem at all. Actually, what happened was the rice protocol means rest, ice, compression, elevation. And when the idea started, a doctor by the name of Dr. Gabe Merkin, Harvard-trained doc, wrote a book called the Sports Medicine Book back in 1978, and he coined the term. And prior to that, my whole generation, I grew up in the 1960s playing sports, we were always told to walk it off. Don't sit still, it'll tighten up and keep moving it. That's what we're all taught. And then Merkin came out with this idea of rice. And basically what he did was he reported on what was happening in society. And what had happened to start it was back in 1962, a young boy by the name of Everett Knowles hopped a freight train in Somerville, Massachusetts. And in celebration of his big accomplishment, hit a stone abutment after he raised his arm to cheer for himself and ripped his arm off. And he broke it. He tore his arm off. And he fell to the ground thinking he broke his arm, having no idea it was torn off. He was 12 years old. He picked his arm up in his jacket and some people caught him and saw him coming up the hill and got him over to Mass General. And when they got there, that's a hospital in Massachusetts. When they got there, a young doc by the name of Ronald Malt made a decision that changed the history of sports medicine. He said, we got a perfectly healthy 12-year-old and a fully intact arm. Let's put it back on. Now, to you, to your audience today, that's relatively common. In 1962, it had never been done. So while they were figuring out what to do, Dr. Malt gave the order, put that arm on ice. Now, why did they have to do that? They had to go get the doctors who could do this surgery, who could perform this feat of putting a body part back on. There weren't cell phones. There weren't fax machines or couldn't text anybody, had to go get everybody. So there was going to be a gap in time between when the decision was made and when you could actually start doing it. So Malt gave the order, put the arm on ice. Now, why did he do that? For the same reason that fish are on ice in the fish market, it helps to slow down the decaying process. And as a result, the arm was in fact reattached and it worked. And as his hand began to turn pink, they realized that circulation was restored and that made international news. Then when the young boy waved the first time to reporters, that made international news. And then when he caught his first baseball, that made international news. And so this went on for several years, actually, following this feat of reattaching the severed body part. Dr. Malt taught all over the world physicians what they had done that day, because again, it was never done before. So he's out teaching everybody what they did. Now, a certain time came and we tried to track it back and we did not find the first time this happened. But at, at a point in time back in those days, a reporter asked the doctor, well, if this ever happens, what do we need to do? What do we need to know? Now, remember, before you just threw the body part away and hoped you didn't bleed to death. But now we need to preserve the body part. We need to get to the hospital. We need to know what to do. And the order was this. 
Remain calm, don't panic. That became rest. Keep the severed body part out of the sun. Try to keep it cool if you could. That became ice. Use a tourniquet to prevent a bleed out. That became compression. Keep the severed part above the heart. That became elevation. So the rice protocol had literally utterly nothing to do with managing damaged tissue. It had to do with preserving a severed body part and preventing a bleed out. That was the intent of it. But it didn't matter because the public heard, put it on ice. And the next thing you know, here we are. What is this now? 50 years later, more than 50 years later, and we're still discussing something that was a mistake to begin with. It's wrong to do when you follow the rice protocol. It traps the waste in and around the damaged site and prevents the natural flow of oxygen and supplies. That's not an opinion. That's a mechanical reality. Imagine that you're trying to move nourishment and waste through your lymphatic system and through your vascular system. And I tell you to sit still, which slows down flow. And I put ice on it, which slows down flow. And then I compress it, which slows down flow. Then I tell you to stick it up in the air, slows down flow, at least in one direction. Now, how in the world could that possibly help the healing process? It doesn't. It delays healing. It increases swelling. It causes additional damage. And it shuts off the signals alert you to harmful movement. And you need movement to solve the problem. And you need the signals to prevent you from doing harmful movement. So what are ways that athletes can get active recovery? And why is it that that is the best way to stay healthy? That's how the body's designed to heal, first of all. So we're not designed to break down. We're designed to self-heal. But that's contingent upon moving. I call it a RETA. Active recovery is the answer. Now, back in my day, when I grew up, it was called walk it off. Everyone knew that, by the way. Everyone knew to walk it off. Don't sit still, it'll tighten up. We all knew that. No one ever questioned that. I don't recall anybody ever sitting still with a bag of ice wrapped tightly around the body part while sticking up in the air growing up. Never happened. So what's the best way is to keep moving it. What's the easiest way to do it? You can do what are called ankle pumps. If it's in the lower body, you can squeeze a ball. If it's in your arm or your upper body area, You can walk, by the way, that would work. In fact, not that long ago, pitchers would run the post, the light post, after they threw to try to move the waist through their, try to help them recover by moving the waist. Now, that's not a very good way of doing it. Today, all 30 major league baseball teams use a product called Mark Pro, and that's a muscle uh, stimulation device that uses electricity to cause the muscle to contract and relax, that in effect electronically walks it off. So that's how people are doing it. But you could go to a swimming pool and you could take your hands and move them in the water and just twirl your arms. That would work. You might not have a swimming pool conveniently located to where you are if you just finished a game and you're riding back in the car. The electronic method becomes a much more practical way of doing it when you're trying to do it and travel back from a game or you're in a hotel or, or you're on a plane or a bus, it just becomes easier to do electronically. But it isn't the Mark Pro, the muscle stimulation from the Mark Pro, it's the muscle stimulation. So you need to activate the muscles without fatigue. And then that's how you facilitate recovery. So active recovery is the answer. 
So lots of people have seen these machines with the pads that you place on your body and don't realize that there are a variety of different types of machines, such as TENS, STEM, EMS. So what's the difference and when should each be used? That's a great question, actually. That's a big question. TENS are to mask the signal of pain. That's their intent. They're a pain control device. They're a neurostimulation device, and they actually work different strength machines. So to make it easy for me to explain, if you buy it for 30 bucks, it's probably not very good. If you buy it for $300, then it's probably better. That doesn't mean it's, that's not a concrete answer, by the way, because there are some things that are expensive that are not very good. But the inexpensive ones are not going to give you the big relief. However, I don't ever recommend, ever, never do I recommend that you mask the signal of pain with a TENS machine for athletes. That's a bad idea. Solve your problem. Find out what's wrong. Don't make it stop hurting. Find out what's wrong and solve the problem. So you can use a TENS machine, but for athletes, I almost never recommend it simply because you shouldn't mask the signal of pain to continue to play. Then you say, so how about the EMS? When would I use that, the electronic uh, muscle stimulation? Whenever you are trying to facilitate recovery without fatigue. And that becomes the big question because if the electrical stimulation device isn't formulated correctly, in other words, the parameters aren't set correctly, you will fatigue the muscle. And there's nothing wrong with that if you're trying to make the muscle bigger, stronger, or prettier. So if that's your goal to in effect, strengthen, build muscles, then there are e-stims that are built for that purpose. If you're trying to do recovery, well, then you need to pay attention to the fact and find the one that doesn't or the ones that don't fatigue the muscle. And Mark Pro has completely dominated the market for the past five or six years. And it's been around for 10 years now, but for about the past five or six, it's made its way into major league sports and it's clearly the leading product in the market. I saw a video with Trevor Bauer where he talks about using the Mark Pro in between innings of a game and even sleeping with it on. Is this something that a typical athlete could benefit from? And what are those benefits? Anyone can benefit from it, by the way. You wouldn't have to be an athlete. Actually, the most satisfied person I've ever worked with is a concert flutist. And what was going on was the practicing was causing cramping and fatiguing in the fingers and the forearm. And when this individual came to me at first, they didn't really know if they were even asking a reasonable question. But all they asked me was, will this help me with my problem? What's your problem? My fingers and, and forearms are chronically fatigued from practicing the flute. The answer is, yeah, it'll help it. It'll help that if you're pulling weeds in the backyard and, and your muscles are tired, so it'll help with that. What it does is it activates the muscles and as a result of activating the muscles, it brings in nourishment and flushes out waste. So you need to get the good stuff in and the bad stuff out. The only way to do that is to activate the muscles. Now, that's to get the waste out. You've got to activate the muscles. And the reason for that is the lymphatic system, which is the removal of the waste system, it's basically the garbage disposal system of your body, it's passive. So you've got to activate the muscles in and around those vessels to move the waste. So basically, it looks like milking a cow backwards. 
So when your muscle contracts around the passive lymphatic vessel, it pushes the waist up a chamber. The empty chamber then has negative pressure, pulls waste out of that, what's called the interstitial space, and then milks the cow upwards. So it milks it backwards and takes the waste back into circulation up towards your heart. And so with that, you've got to move. And if you find an electronic muscle stimulation device that doesn't fatigue your muscles, then that will facilitate recovery. If you use one that's going to make it bigger, stronger, or prettier, that's going to make your muscles tired, and that's not recovery. So in answer to your question, you need to facilitate, when you want to facilitate recovery, you've got to use an electronic stimulation device that doesn't fatigue the muscle. So how frequently and for how long should we use the MyProt? It depends, and it depends on how efficient you are. It depends on how much damage you have. And it depends on the position you're in while you're using it. So the ideal position to be in, say you're using it for your shoulder, a pitcher, would be to be fully reclined in a lazy boy chair with your arm across your torso, with your fingers aiming down towards your hip, with a large soft pillow in between your arm and your torso to absorb the bounce. Now, that would be the best position, and that's the way it would take you the least amount of time. Now, with that said, if you threw 20 pitches and then another day you threw 100, the day you threw 100, it's going to take longer. And if you threw 20 pitches and someone who was not nearly as fit as you threw 20 pitches, it might take them twice as long as you. So it depends on how much damage you have, how efficient you are, and what position you're in while you're doing it. Typically, what I'm hearing back from my pitchers and, and my other athletes, what I'm hearing is somewhere between 30 to 45 minutes minimum, and I'm hearing as much as three to five hours on the maximum side. And why the five hours is that when you're flying from the East Coast to the West Coast or vice versa, and they fall asleep on the plane, they have it on for, for three to five hours. And would was their problem solved in two hours? Maybe. We won't know that. But I have heard of three to five hours and people saying how great they feel uh, when they get to the other end of the flight and their arm just feels wonderful. Unfortunately, I can't give you an answer in advance on how long it takes. I can give you an average. The average is 30 to 45 minutes is the minimum and three to five hours is the maximum. What do you need? It depends on how much work you did, how efficient you are and the position you're in while you're doing it. As a rotational athlete, pitcher or hitter, what are some of the best places or muscle groups and combinations that we should target for the use with the Mark Pro? Another great question. Easy answer. Point to what's tired and sore. Find the most dense area of that muscle. Activate the muscle by putting a pad in the middle of that, in that, of that area and then surround it. So let's say, for example, you're trying to do your thigh. You wouldn't put it on your kneecap because there's not much muscle mass there. You wouldn't put it on your hip bone because there's not much muscle mass there. So you follow your fingers down your thigh to the area that's tired and sore. And you can tell because that's the muscle as you're walking your fingers down the muscle, you can feel what's tired and sore. And when you find the most dense area of that muscle, in other words, where there's the most muscle, put the pad and then simply surround it with the other three pads. Get your body in a neutral position so you're not putting stress on the muscle you're activating. 
and then turn it on. And when the muscle begins to activate, confirm that you're activating the muscle that's tired and sore. And that's all you have to do. One time I was uh, giving a lecture at a university and one of the athletic trainers said, would that be your gracilis or your sartorius? And I said, you may want to know that answer, but nobody else does. Just, I'm not being disrespectful, but no one cares about what the muscles call. Now, I don't mean that in a negative way. When your muscles are tired and sore, it doesn't really matter which one it is. You point to it. Now, if you want to know if it's your sartorius or your gracilis, that's great. Go look at an anatomy book or pull it up on, on, on your iPhone and take a peek and see what it is. But it doesn't matter what the muscle's called. You don't have to take an anatomy class to use a muscle stimulation device. All you have to do is point to what's tired and sore. Place the pad in the most dense area of the muscle you're trying to activate. Get in a neutral position and activate. That's all it takes. What is the difference between using a compression sleeve machine and a Mark Pro? Huge difference, actually. The compression sleeves are... Now, are you talking about one that's a, a, a pneumatic one that releases and contracts? And, or are you talking about just a compression sleeve? When you use a compression sleeve, it feels good. I've never met an athlete in all of my years and all the teams and all the training rooms I've been in that didn't like how it felt. Now, there are some people who say, I don't like it because it takes too long or I don't like it because I don't think it helped. That's not my point. My point is people who use it generally say they like how it feels. So if, if that's what you get out of it, you like how it feels, that's a good thing. And you should do that. And there's nothing wrong with feeling good. There's a lot of positive benefits of something feeling good. And I've used those, the Normatec or Recovery Pump, several other brands, I've used them, and they do feel good. It feels nice. But when it comes to actual facilitating recovery, you have to pull back and not be, not be fooled by marketing slogans and things like that. And what I mean by that is this. The waste has to move through your passive lymphatic system. Squeezing the skin is not how the passive lymphatic system works. In other words, I can take my one-ounce shot glass, go out to my pool, and I can empty the pool, and ultimately, I could empty the pool. Now, the problem with that is it's very inefficient. It would take a very long time, and it's not practical. So you say, were well, you saying that a Normatec or a recovery pump or that they don't work? No, I said they're not very good at moving waste to a passive lymphatic system compared to active recovery. And here's the reason. In your body, you have about 165,000 miles or so of lymphatic vessels. These vessels are everywhere. They're superficial, they're intermediate, they're deep. The larger, deeper, thicker vessels, of course, are deeper and they're thicker and they're larger. The superficial ones are the opposite. Now, let's just look at what happens. Say there was an ideal pressure and each of the companies has their own sequencing and pressure. So one company says, we have the right formula. Another company says, they have the right formula. So then you say, wait a minute, maybe you're both wrong. Maybe neither of you have the proper formula. So let's just pull back and look and see what happens. Let's say you set it for the proper pressure to optimally move waste through the superficial lymphatic vessels. What impact would that have on the larger, thicker, deeper vessels? And I'll answer for you, virtually none. 
And you say, what about if I put a pressure on that was optimal for the larger, thicker, deeper vessels? You'd crush the superficial ones. And you say, well, wait a minute. So what's that mean? What that means is that if you're going to set the machine, you're going to have to control it so that it never really can impact the larger, thicker, deeper vessels. Can't because you'd crush the superficial. And by the way, they don't ever take the pressure that high. And then you say, so does that mean it doesn't work? That's not how the lymphatic system works. When you activate the muscles via active recovery as opposed to passive recovery, so what they're doing is squeezing the skin, what a muscle activation technique is, or walking it off or anything along those lines, what you're able to do with that is you activate the muscle. And now the muscle compresses the lymphatic vessel, both deep, intermediate, and superficial. And because the muscle is activating around the passive lymphatic system, in effect, it milks the cow backwards. And you could never accomplish that by squeezing the skin. It simply can't be done. Now, again, I want to stress, I didn't say they aren't a good product. I use them very often. They're a wonderful product. They feel great. But when it comes to facilitating recovery, they can't compete with active recovery. It's simply, it's not even the same category to compete. It, when I, if I draw a chart, they're not even on the chart. Walking would be on the chart. Standing on a power plate would be on the chart. Using Mark Pro would be on the chart. Going in a swimming pool and wiggling your arms in the water against resistance would be on the chart. But squeezing the skin, it's an inefficient way to facilitate recovery. Again, I want to stress, but it feels good and people like it and that counts. So I like to ask more of a broader question to end. So who is your favorite pitcher growing up? Oh boy. Probably Sandy Koufax. And just because that's a team I followed and he just always seemed amazing to me. And I remember I just remember those days when the Yankees played the Dodgers. And <laughs> it just, that's, they were, that, that was my, when I look back, I don't know what your history will be like as far as for the teams that made the World Series. But when I think back to my young years, the Yankees and the Dodgers, I think they won every year. <laughs> it was unbelievable. They were always there. And Sandy Koufax is just a, a just an amazing pitcher. And I actually have followed him today. And I didn't even think of this till you just asked. But do you know, in baseball, that's where icing started was with Sandy Koufax. So if you were to Google, if you Google Sandy Koufax, ice water or bu bucket of ice injury, you'll see a picture of Sandy Koufax with his arm in a bucket of ice in like 1965. It's still on the internet. If you, go, if you can't find it, tell me and I'll send it to you. But it's very easy to find. You just put in Sandy Koufax, bucket of ice, sore elbow. And what they did was his arm hurt so much from throwing and getting a needle shot into his arm that he asked his trainers to find another way to do it. And they found a bucket of ice. And that's what they did. And he's the first to my knowledge, and I've researched it pretty heavily. We, we did all the backtracking we could on this. He's the first celebrity baseball player, pitcher, to have their arm in a bucket of ice. And that's back in 1965. So you just tied a loop for me that I had forgotten that I, that I even knew. So thank you. I didn't even know that about him. 
Yep. If you Google it, you'll see it. Uh, it's right there. It's a classic picture. He has a black, like a wetsuit type sleeve on. And uh, he puts his arm in a bucket of ice. And the, the trainer at the time, the assistant trainer's name was Bill Beulah. And when he was playing with the Dodgers. And that's the beginning. That is the beginning of anybody that I've ever heard of using ice on a pitcher. Now, oddly enough, it had nothing to do about recovery. It was for pain in his elbow. That's what they were doing. They weren't trying to facilitate recovery. But as the rumor and the process of the rice protocol started to take place, if Sandy Koufax puts his arm in ice, I should too. First of all, you should have asked why he was doing it. Then you would have realized it had nothing to do with recovery. And then if you had thought about it, you would have said, well, gee, won't that cause additional damage to lay healing? and increase swelling? The answer is yes, it does. It delays healing and increases swelling and it causes additional damage. So it wouldn't be a good idea to do, but he's the first one. So that's a little fun thing you can do. Maybe you can post it uh, when you put this up, you can put the p- picture of Sandy Koufax in your in your podcast release when you put it up. Yeah. So where can people find out more about you and Mark Pro? Actually, you can go to GaryRinal.com. It's G-A-R-Y. R-E-I-N-L. And at GaryRinal.com, there's actually a link to Mark Pro. So you can go to Mark Pro from my website, or you can go to MarkPro.com, and then you won't get me, you'll just get Mark Pro. But either way, you can go in through my website. Uh, On my website, I have a lot of free articles uh, that I've written to help people understand the recovery process. And you can take them, print them, use them any way you want. There's no charge for them whatsoever. And I don't uh, have any tracking device on there to send you emails afterwards. None of that nonsense going on. It's just free information that I provide. Uh, And then you can click the Mark Pro right from my website or go to markpro.com and uh, you can find everything you want to know about Mark Pro. Gary, thank you so much for playing ball. I had more fun playing ball with you than I had since I was young. So I'm happy you had me on. Thank you. Hey, it's Sammy here. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, I would like to ask for your help. Tell me what questions you would like answered. If you could also take a moment to review the show, the algorithms are taking into account how many ratings and reviews I get. The more reviews, the more people they will show the podcast with. And don't forget to play ball, kid.